podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Have you been listening? Do you know what sport we're actually playing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I was number nine. Don't be pointing me down at number 11. Back in the day, I defeated Dwayne The Rock Johnson twice. The Paralympics almost has more power than the Olympics ever will be. He's not really a fun kind of guy. He doesn't really like people. Come on then, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast, the only podcast in the UK which is hosted by autistic teenagers who interview some of the biggest names within the world of sport. From world champions, World Cup winners, international athletes, Ryder Cup golfers, Ashes heroes and many other sportsmen and women, we delve deep into their sporting career, the highs and the lows and what makes them one of the best athletes in their sport. But that's enough for me. I'm going to hand you over to the stars of the show, Tom and Avatar, who host the podcast, and I'll let them introduce today's guest. See you later. The TWS Sports Podcast is ho- is hosted by pupils from Tettenwood School in the UK. Our school is for autistic children and young adults, and we have set up this podcast to provide um, our pupils with a fantastic opportunity to develop a range of skills whilst interviewing top sports men and women from a variety of different sports. Joining us today on the TWS Sports Podcast is a professional footballer who has played for a number of teams such as Coventry, Wolves, Cardiff City, as well as England. He now plays his football in Japan. Welcome to the podcast, Jay Bothroyd. Hey, nice to meet you guys. Yeah, I you too. So we would like to start our podcast off with some quick fire questions. Are you ready? <laughs> Come on in. <laughs> um, favorite holiday destination? Maldives. Can you speak another another language? Yeah, um, I can speak Italian. Uh, my wife's Italian, so I mean, I had to, when I played in Italy. Obviously, I had to learn it. And, you know, obviously me being married to an Italian, I have to speak. Um, but sometimes it's, it's a bit difficult now because obviously we, we live in England. Um, so we don't have to speak Italian every day. But yeah, I can get by in Italian. What about your, your Japanese? No, no, I can't. I, well, I understand words and, you know, football terms, but um, I haven't learned any Japanese because foreign players, when we come to, to Japan, they just give you a translator straight away because... Learning Japanese is a very, very difficult language. So they don't expect us to. So they just give us a translator. Who is the most famous person in your phone book? Phone book? Why? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that surprised me. <laughs> um, probably Monica Lewinsky. All right. <laughs> <laughs> If you could trade lives with anyone for a day, who would it be and why? It's another tough question, man. I thought this was quick fire. <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of sport, I would like to trade places with someone like um, Floyd Mayweather. Um, you know, obviously he was, you know, the world weight champion of the world for uh, a number of years. Um, I think he changed boxing. Um, obviously he lives, you know, he's got, unlimited or almost unlimited funds um he travels around the world but i think i would like to see 
his mindset. I would like to live in his mindset and see um, the kind of thought process and the hard work that went through, you know, him coming up as a boxer. Um, you know, I love boxing as well as football, but, you know, my dad's a boxing coach and I grew up around the boxing uh, family. So I would like to, to, to live in his shoes for, for a day and see how that went. Yeah, good choice. Right. Now we're on to the football questions now, Jay. Okay, them, them questions were difficult. <laughs> <laughs> they really made me think. Growing up as a child, did you always want to be a footballer and how did you get into football? Yeah, um, I always wanted to be a football player. Um, you know, I used to play um, in, in school every day, obviously. And, you know, it got to a point when I was like eight years old, I, you know, I kept I kept on bugging my dad, you know, I want to get into a, a, a team, um, you know, away from school, obviously. So a Sunday league team. So I was asking him all the time. And then um, he, he, there's a famous place in, in London called Market Road. And, you know, a lot of, you know, inner London kids, you know, went there to play, to play football, you know, like me, um, Joe Cole, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of kids from North London, especially. Um, so that's how I got into football. When I got into my first team, which was called Westwood Boys. And then, you know, I, I played there for a year and then Queen's Park Rangers um, signed me when I was uh, 10 years old. And then I stayed there for one year, and but it was a bit too far for my parents to take me to training. So Arsenal come and wanted me to sign for them. And then, you know, I was at Arsenal and then I grew up that way and you know spent my all my years up until 18 I think it was um through the Arsenal youth system you started your you started your career at Arsenal what are you memories of your time at Arsenal um well you know like I said being from Arsenal from young um you know me and my my teammates at that time um we we all became really close and I think that you know, the most memorable part of our youth, our youth team was um, winning the FA Youth Cup. Um, we won it tri- twice on the, in a row. Um, we had one of the best um, youth teams, you know, ever. Um, you know, we was a lot of a lot of players from my youth team played in the Premier League and made uh, made careers out of football. Um, so, I think the most notable thing of our youth team was winning the FA Youth Cup. We read that you threw your shirt at the Arsenal bench <laughs> when you were subbed. Is that anything you, you regret doing? Of course, I think in life, you know, you always have regrets. But I think, you know, with regrets, there's, you know, you know, there's consequences to 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 what I did. Um, the way the way it was portrayed you know it wasn't like I, I I got my shirt and threw it like that you know it's kind of like I took it off and kind of you know kind of went like that and you know it just happened to hit the coach um which wasn't my intentions obviously but um I do regret that because I would have liked to seen how I would have progressed you know Arsene Wenger said to me that uh and, he, and it's well documented in the newspaper that like letting me leave Arsenal was one of the biggest mistakes of his career um, which is, you know, it's a big compliment to me because obviously he's managed some, some of the best players, you know, the world's ever seen. Um, and then obviously he said, 
you know, something along the lines of, you know, I was one of the most talented players he's ever worked with as well. So that was a, a big compliment to me and made meant a lot to me. But if I hadn't have done that, then I wouldn't have, you know, gone to Coventry and then I wouldn't have ended up going to Italy where I met my wife. Um, I wouldn't have ended up, you know, having children with her. So, you know, there is there is some regrets, but obviously without me doing that action, you know, I wouldn't have, you know, gone on the pathway I did, you know, with my football career and, and, and my family. You then joined Coventry and Gordon Strachan was your manager. What yeah. was he like to play for and did you enjoy your time at Coventry? Actually, it was, it's funny. I was just speaking about this the other day. You know, I, I was, I did enjoy my time at, at Coventry because I knew some of they they was you know they had a good youth system as well when we actually played um, Coventry in the FA Youth Cup final so I knew a few of their players like Gary McSheffrey Craig Peed uh, Robert Betts and Callum Davenport and you know these kind of players um, but the, one of the main reasons why I went to Coventry was to play with Robbie Keane uh, I really admired him I looked at his game um, and you know he he had a lot of talent um, and that was one of the biggest reasons why I went to Coventry but after about I think it was about three weeks a month of pre-season he ended up leaving and going to Inter Milan so I was really disappointed about that but um, you know Gordon Strachan was a great manager he knew how to handle players um, his man management skills were second to none um, and I always say that you know when Coventry sacked him as a manager um, you know, Coventry went downhill um, and, and that's the reality of it. But, uh, you know, getting signed by Gordon Strachan and learning, you know, his ways and, you know, being around um, some experienced players at that time, you know, it, was, it, it helped me in my career. Even though I didn't, I wasn't able to really get the most out of my time at Coventry because we was always... You know, when I was there, I think we had like four different managers or five different managers. You know, it's difficult being a young player, but, you know, I, I took a lot of positives from uh, Coventry. After Coventry, you went to play in Italy. What did you enjoy most about playing in Italy? No, um, yeah, I did enjoy it. I think it was really hard at the beginning because obviously I didn't speak the language. And when I went there, we went straight to training camp and it was in the mountains and it was literally, it was like one of those places that was a small village and you're just there for football. And at the time, none of the foreign players that played for my club was actually there. They got an extended break. So for the first two weeks, I was, you know, I was pretty much, you know, I wasn't able to talk to anyone. Um, my phone bill was, you know, crazy. It was like £7,000 for like one month just because I was calling back and forth <laughs> all the time with my family. Like I was homesick, you know. So it was it was really difficult, but after the first few months, um, I started really enjoy it. I adapted. Um, obviously, you know we had an a, we had Australian player, a Nigerian player, um, a Greek player. They could all speak English, so it helped me adapt. Um, I made some friends around the city, and I started you know traveling to like Florence and and Rome because that was only a few hours away. But football. Football-wise, it really helped me kind of understand 
what it meant to really be a football player. Because before I went to Italy, I was always kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say mucking around, but I was always kind of, I used training to express myself and try things and, you know, kind of have a laugh. But then when I went to Italy, you know, it was kind of regimental. You know, they it really taught me how to be more of a man on the pitch and, you know, taught me that, you know, football was everything. And I learned a lot there. You know, I was I was fortunate to play with some great players like Fabio Grosso, who won the World Cup, um, Zimmeria, who played for Brazil, Ravinelli came there. So I was fortunate that I got to to play with those players. But then I was playing with I was playing against like world class players almost every week. You know, I got to play against Buffon, Maldini, Nesta, um, Del Piero, Kaka, Cafu, you know, loads and loads of players. I was swapping shirts like every week. But it was a place that I really enjoyed playing. Um, the only regrettable thing was when I had to leave. And I only left Italy because our chairman, the person that owned the club, um, decided that he, he didn't want to pay us anymore. So he left he left Italy and went to Santo Domingo and you know we wasn't getting paid. So of course in that moment, you know, I, I came back to England. Jay, I just want to jump in and I was I was reading um before this interview and in Italy, did you face a lot of racism? And talking about racism, what do you do you think football are doing enough at the moment to prevent racism? Um yeah, when I went to Italy, the you know I hadn't I hadn't really I mean there was one time that I experienced racism as a kid and we played um Poland under 15s or 16s I think it was and that was the first time I got a little bit of racism nothing really bad it was like some kid said a black boy but it was kind of the way he said it that was you know he, he kind of spoke down to me in a kind of way which was obviously racist but then when I went to um Italy we played Inter Milan and it was I think it was about the seventh game of the season something like that eighth game of the season and our manager Serge Cosme called me into the the change room along with the other black players and he just basically said listen guys you know we're going to play Inter Milan on the weekend um you know I feel embarrassed um to say this to you but you know you're probably going to get some racist abuse um and at the time i remember thinking i mean how because you know they had players like adriano and obafemi martins um sulimantari and i was thinking why would they want to racially abuse us when they've got black players in their team and he just said to me you know you know it's it's disgraceful but i mean you're probably going to get some abuse and Obviously, we, when we went to play them that weekend, you know, every time any of our black players touched a ball, you know, there was monkey chance. And, you know, obviously there's no room for that, you know, in races, in, in, in football. And to be honest, not, not much has changed since then, which is, you know, you know, 20 years ago now, almost. Obviously, FIFA and, and players are trying to help and do things to minimize racism but obviously there's always those um you know uneducated people out there the small-minded people out there that are gonna try to you know put players off their game and 
by 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 being nasty and 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 giving races chance. But obviously, I think there's, I think the the football league and Premier League and FIFA and Europa League and Champions League, you know, all the officials who work with these um, are trying to make it better. But I, I think unless you really try to, unless you really, I guess you have to punish the clubs. Um, you know, because no fan wants to see their club lose points and get renegated or lose points and, you know, get thrown out of the European competitions. And I think that would be a start. But I think there's always more you can do to, to help prevent um, racist abuse. You returned to England with Blackburn and Charlton. Did you always yeah. want to return to England? Um, I've always been one of those players. I, I you know, I love the, I love football. Um, I love the game. Um, to be honest, at the time when I went to Italy, it was always a dream to play football in Italy. Um, me and my dad used to watch um, football on on Channel Four when um, Paul Gascoigne went there, and 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 people like Paul Ince. And it was always a dream of mine to play in Serie A. But then when I had to come back, um, and I went to Blackburn, I mean. Blackburn was really enjoyable. I was unfortunate that I got injured um, for a long period of time, but it was never my plan to come back, especially so soon. I don't, I, I don't, I didn't, to be honest, in my football career, I haven't really had plans. I've just kind of taken each day as it comes to me and just go from there. What was it like to play in the Premier League? I mean, obviously playing in the Premier League is the, You know, it's the best league in the world, and you're playing against you know top players like every week. Um, it's high intensity. It's very difficult, especially when you're playing for a team that's you know, you know, fighting for relegation, fighting to stay in the Premier League. But yeah, it's enjoyable as well. You you know, you get to play at some massive stadiums, full stadiums. You know, you're always playing against good teams, and it's always a challenge for yourself to play against the best players in the world. Um, so. I always relished challenges um, and, you know, playing in the Premier League was, you know, a dream come true for me. You then joined Wolves. Do you enjoy your time at Wolves? I I did enjoy it. Um, I did enjoy it until I fell out with Mick McCarthy. Um, you know, I, I, I did have some good games and I had a, you know, the first season was good, but I don't think I was really able to, you know, I don't think the Wolves fans ever really see my best because the way Mick McCarthy kind of set up his team, it was, you know, a traditional target man and it was kind of like play long balls up to him and, and hold the ball. And, you know, for me, that was never my game. My game, I grew up, like I said, the, the Arsenal way, which was, you know, kind of drifting around, playing the ball along the floor. Um, coming deep and kind of expressing yourself, but Mick McCarthy didn't want me to do that. And you know, at the time, I couldn't adapt to his style, and he didn't like that. I I, I kind of had my own way of wanting to play and be effective. You know, I ended up I ended up leaving under unfortunate circumstances because Wolves is a a great club. Um, you know, the stadium's great, the fans are passionate. You know, it has a history, um, but I was disappointed that I wasn't able to show the Wolves 
consistent um, success with my performances. We read that you had a difficult relationship with the Wars manager, Mick McCarthy. <laughs> what are your yeah. memories of playing for him? Yeah, I mean, the first season was good. I had a good relationship with him. But then, I don't know, he, he just, he just, I just felt he was like a dictator. You know, at the end of the day, I, I, was, I was a young 20-year-old and I still believed that I should be treated like a man. And he, he wanted to kind of speak down to players, especially players like me. You know, you walk into the, into the building, it's like, take your hat off. You know, don't, like... I had a nice car at the time. He, you know, he said to me, don't drive that car into training. Um, it was always, you know, something, you know, just trivial, something that had no bearing on the football pitch, but he made it a big deal. Um, he took my squad number off me, tried to, you know, treat me badly, made me train by myself, made, you know, he made me get changed in the youth team dressing room. Um, I was training with Tony Daly in the afternoons. Um, after the first team had gone, he he tried to be really difficult to me. And to be honest, it was Gary Breen. Gary Breen helped me a lot while he was there. And he just said, listen, Jay, what you have to do now is just get it in your mind that you're going to, you're doing all this um, training by yourself. And, you know, this is going to make you mentally stronger and fitter for your next club. Um, so I just got that in my head. And, you know, I was just waiting for the right club to, to come and come and get me really after a brief spell at Stoke you joined Cardiff City this is where you have planned the majority of your football did you enjoy your time there yeah um, Cardiff was it was amazing and you know I remember how it first started I mean I was on my way to to training at Wolves and I remember this private number called me and I don't normally answer private numbers. So I was just thinking, who's this? And then I answered the phone and he started, this is, this is Dave Jones. And I was like, Dave Jones, I don't know anyone like that. And he was like the Cardiff manager, Dave Jones. And I was like, Oh, okay. How's it going? Kind of thing. <laughs> and then, uh, he said, listen, I've got permission to talk to you. Um, why don't you, why don't you turn your car around and, and come down to Cardiff and have a meeting with us? And like I literally just turned off the motorway and drove down to Cardiff, and you know the rest is history. Um, I had a great time at Cardiff. Um, I achieved so much there. I love the fans. I love the city. I love the stadium. Um, Dave Jones was amazing. My teammates, you know, I can't speak highly enough about them. Um, the only negative thing is we we missed out on getting promotion to the Premier League. I mean, that would have been an amazing story for myself personally you know especially you know being on the chopping block at Wolves three years later you know almost getting promotion playing for England and achieving everything that I ever wanted to achieve at Cardiff. You settled at Cardiff for a number of years what was it about Cardiff that made you feel uncomfortable? Comfortable what made what what did Cardiff do to make you feel comfortable? First of all the football style suited me um, Dave Jones um, and, and Terry Burton was there as assistant manager. Um, they was all about the pass and move, like total football. And that really was what I wanted this whole time, even when I was at Wolf. That's what I wanted. And he said to me, basically, just go and express yourself. You know, this is where I want you. You can 
kind of go wherever you want on the pitch as long as you get yourself back in the box to score goals. And when he said that to me, I just said to myself, like, I need to make myself indispensable now. I need to be the first name on the team sheet going forward. And that was my mindset from day one. But I don't know, I just had a real good bond with the city as soon as I got there. Um, the fans were really good and passionate. Um, the players were a great bunch of lads. Um, you know, it seems like nothing, but, you know, even, you know, the, like my wives, the, all the players' wives and whatever, we used to go out for dinners. We was really, like, was really close. Like, everyone was close. We used to always meet up and, you know, the boys used to go out or the, you know, players' wives and everything used to go out. And you know, the Christmas parties were good. Um, Wednesday night, in, in revolutions and and on a Saturday <laughs> after we win the game. You know, that was always good. You know, Dave Jones just basically, he was a great man manager and he just basically said, listen, you can live how you want to live and do what you want to do as long as you perform on Saturday. And that was perfect to a lot of players. Um, and we relished off that, I, especially me. Like I, I loved that. He, he was great for me. And I can't, I can't speak highly enough about Dave Jones. Uh, what uh, what are you best memories of playing for Cardiff City? Best memory. I know my worst memory. <laughs> my worst memory is the playoff final. Um, I mean, we played some really good games. Um, the one that sticks out in my mind was a semi-final against Leicester. That was a great game to be involved in. Um, it was a really tight game. They're a really good team. Um, that's probably my best memory but I mean when we beat Swansea that was that was great you know them them derby games I think that derby kind of goes under the radar you know everyone talks about Arsenal Tottenham Liverpool Everton Man City Man United but the the Wales derby is is really formidable and you know when we when we won the, that derby game it was uh, it was an amazing feeling um, so that was probably one of my most memorable memorable um, games and times at Cardiff. You formed a great partnership with Ross McCormack and then Michael Chopra. Did you enjoy yeah. playing with them? Yeah, I mean, they were both, they're both really good players, but they're both different. Uh, Ross McCormack was very technical um, he, he could dribble, he could see passes, he had really good technical ability where Michael Chopper was more like a poacher. Um, he just kind of fed off me. Um, and we, I had a great relationship with both of them, but then uh, Dave Jones had had Chops on loan before Ross McCormack came. Um, so the first season I was playing with Ross, we had a really good season. He had a really good season, especially. I think he scored like, I think he's 15 or 20 goals. And then the next season, uh, Dave Jones wanted to sign Michael Chopper as well. So now, you know, there was three really good forwards. There was only two spots. So, you know, them two were similar and obviously I was different. So it was, it was, a, it was a problem for Dave Jones, to be honest. You know, and obviously he ended up going with Michael Chopra more often than not and you know, me and me and Chops, we, we we made a great partnership. Um, we both were scoring goals. We both just knew where each other was on the pitch. Um, and you know, for me, he's probably my best partner that I've played at front with in my career. 
What are you members of South Wales debut Derby? So Derby. you mentioned this a little bit, but what are your yeah. what are your memories of South Wales Derby? What are your memories of maybe like playing at Liberty Stadium or Lillian Park? Them, them Derby, like I said, them Derby games were like it, straight away when when the fixtures come out at the beginning of the season. The the, the only game you're looking at is the Swansea game. Where when are we playing Swansea? And it was. Because they were, they were. To be fair, they was a really good team. Um, they had a lot of good players. They played, um, you know, total football as well. They had some good managers like Martinez. They had Brendan Rodgers. Um, but obviously, we had a strong team as well. So it was kind of bragging rights almost in 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 when you played against them. And you know, we had some games. You know, they beat us. Uh, I think they beat us once. We beat them once, and we drawed a few games. Um, but they, it was always really. I mean, going to Liberty Stadium. I, 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 to be honest, I enjoyed that more because there was just it was just more fiery. There was more kind of abuse coming your way, and for me, I liked that. I thrived off that. Um, but obviously, both games, home and away, they were they were amazing games, and you know there was always tight games. But yeah, that, I'll never forget those those derbies. They were amazing. You reached the playoff final in the 2009 to 2010 season and sadly lost to Blackpool. You got injured as well in that last, in that game. What was that experience like for you? Well, I mean, it's, uh, it's probably... Um, and actually it happened in, in a Leicester game. Um, I injured my calf in the Leicester game. And um, there, there was, I think it was 10 days or nine or 10 days or eight days before the, the playoff final. And I remember I went for a scan and they said, oh, you've got, you know, a slight calf strain. So that whole week, I didn't train at all. And then I think it was like two days before the game, I started going outside. The first day I just jogged. The second, the day before the game, I had a little, I joined in the little practice game and, you know, everything felt fine. So I went into the game thinking, oh, you know, my leg's good, you know, I felt, I had a really good feeling about it. And then literally after 10 minutes, obviously I went to sprint and I just felt my calf just like kind of ping. And I knew that I felt really that sharp pain in my calf and I knew that, you know, I tore my calf. Um, And it was like, you know, my world and it was like, I knew that, I wouldn't go as far to say that if I had a stadium, we definitely would have won. But I knew that we would definitely have a better chance of winning if had I stayed on the pitch because a lot of our game was based around me uh, and and chops at the time. So for me to go off injured, it kind of took a formidable part of our team away. Um, and obviously, I was you know distraught, um, and it was like I said, one of the most dis- I mean the most disappointing game of, of my career. So during the time at Cardiff, Jay, lots of the fans um, were doing some sort of like demonstrations and stuff against against Chairman Peter Ridsdale. Um, did yeah. that kind of affect the team in any way? And and did you did you notice it at all mm. on the pitch? Mm, I mean, I, I was aware of it, obviously, because, you know, it was in the newspapers every day. The fans were there, you know, Obviously, I was having interviews and, and whatnot. So obviously, yeah, I was aware of it. But for me, I never let that I never let that bother me. For me, my my job is, 
performing on the pitch. Um, and let's not forget, you know, Peter Rizdow actually brought me to the club. Um, so, yeah, I know the fans were upset with him um, at some point. But, you know, I have to thank him and I think the fans have to thank him that he brought me to the club. Um, you know, when you're, when you're at somewhere long enough, you, you either leave as a hero or you go into the villain. And he left under those circumstances. He, he left as the villain. But, I mean, I thought he was a nice man, to be honest. But obviously, you know, if he wasn't the right person to take the club um, forward in the next step. So, at the moment, Cardiff have Mick McCarthy as manager and recently got smashed by Swansea, sadly. What are your current thoughts? Do you, do you still follow Cardiff? And what are your current thoughts on the Cardiff City situation? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, follow, I love Cardiff, like I said. Um, you know, I always look at the results. Um, when I can watch the games, I'll watch the games. You know, I'm, I'm always honest. For, for me, I didn't, I didn't think that Mick McCarthy was the right person for the job, but obviously he went he went in there as a interim manager, and obviously he 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 done really well while he was, he was getting results and getting wins. So obviously they gave him a new a new deal. But I I always said from the beginning, you know, he's not the right person to take the club forward. In my opinion, he doesn't have a philosophy, um, and I think the game's evolved now, and his style hasn't. And it always gets to a point where, you know, he ends up losing games like now. You know, he started off well, got results, but then at all the clubs he's ever been at, it always gets to this point. And, you know, now, you know, he, he could he could get sacked. Um, you know, I never, I'm not one of those people, as much as I don't like him, um, I'm not one of those people that, you know, I don't, I'm not going to wish him to get sacked as much as I don't like him. but. At the end of the day, football is about results. And if you're not getting results, then there's every chance you can get sacked. So for him, he needs to really turn this around quickly or you know, he's gonna be he's gonna be gone soon. The Henshaws Insurance Group is one of the top one hundred independent insurance brokers in the country and is here to bring you peace in mind. We've been in business for over fifty years and have offices in Newport, Shrewsbury and Stafford. Our 45 plus strong team deals with both business and personal insurance and we offer a free, no obligation, consultations and quotations. So give us a call today. Whilst at Cardiff City, you received an England call up to play against France. What was it like to get a call up and is it true you had a bet with Michael Chopra about playing for England? <laughs> Where did you get this information from? <laughs> research. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, first of all, England, you know, it, it was amazing. Like, to be honest, I did play, I did start the season really well. I was scoring goals, I was performing. And when I first heard about, when there was kind of any talk about me playing for England I was just yeah whatever it's never going to happen I'm playing in the championship kind of thing um, and that's not like, I always had belief in myself I always believed that I could play at a high level but when that when there was rumours about it at first I just kind of I didn't even talk about it I didn't I didn't really care to be honest I just thought it was never going to happen 
and then game by game, goal by goal, win by win. You know, there was more talk. There was more talk. And then I remember one one game, we, I forgot who we played. We were playing at home and Dave Jones come to me before the game. He was like, listen, um, I think his name's Frank, Franco Baldini. It was like Fabio Capello's right-hand man. He's come to the stadium to, to watch you play. And I was like, like all of a sudden now I'm like, I'm not, I'm not panicking, but there's pressure. I felt pressure now because I feel like, oh, I've got to perform for him to get into this England squad. So, I mean, obviously I played well and I continued and he was watching me like more and more and I was still performing and scoring goals. Um, but to play for your country, there's no bigger accolade, whether it be one cap or a hundred caps, you know, to, to play for your country is is amazing and like I said you know when you're a kid you know you dream about playing in the Premier League you dream about playing for your country and you know I was fortunate that I'd done both um, yeah I did have a bet with with Chops um, and he he bet me that I, I wouldn't I wouldn't play I wouldn't play for England and I, I think I think I bet him like I think it was like five grand at the time or something like that I bet him and obviously I played, so he, he was happy I played, but he was he was upset that he had to pay me. So and he did pay me to be fair to him. What what are your memories of playing for football? So what are your memories of playing for England? Obviously, you must have played, was it like Lampard, Gerard, Rooney were they playing at the time? I can't remember what. Uh no, Rooney was um Gerard, Gerard, Rooney, uh Crouch. Ashley Young, um, Joe Hart. What was it like to play with them sort of players? I mean, the person that I was, I, I wanted to really kind of see and play was with Stephen Gerrard, really, because, you know, he's one of the best midfielders this country's ever produced. And I was able to play with him. And he was like, he was really good to me. He kind of took me under his wing. He was, you know, kind of, you know, told me what, you know, Fabio Capello wanted, you know, the rules and the regulations around the hotel and training and whatnot. And I got to see firsthand how good he actually was. I mean, we done like a seven aside and eight aside um, pretty much every day. And there was a few games where he was on my side. And, you know, when he's like really passing the ball in too hard and, you know, it seemed like every move you made, he would just find you with a pass. Um, so, you know, to really experience playing with that kind of quality player um, was was really, you know, it, it kind of inspired me. It gave me motivation. And, you know, obviously I played with him in the actual game against France. Um, and after the game, you know, I got his shirt. Um, and obviously I kept my shirts, but, it, you know, it was, a, it was a great day for me and my family. Um. You left Cardiff after failing to agree a new contract. Do you wish you had stayed at Cardiff or did you want to move on? No, I want, I wanted to stay at Cardiff. I mean, everyone knew that. But at the time, you know, obviously I've played for England once now and now I've got international aspirations. Um, so I I know that and most you know you know most of the time if you're going to play for England you have to be playing in the Premier League. I never wanted to leave Cardiff. I would if I could have stayed at Cardiff my whole career, the rest of my uh, career I probably I would have. 
that's how much I love the city. That's how much I love the club. Um, but obviously, we didn't get promotion that year. And, you know, that obviously made me leave, really. Um, you know, obviously, I'm sad that we did leave, but, you know, I, I had my own ambitions and my ambitions was to play in the Premier League and, and obviously play more for my country. But, um, yeah, that's that's why I had to leave in the end. You then played for QPR and Sheffield Wednesday before going to play your football in Thailand and Japan. How did how did a move to Thailand come about? Um, they just they they obviously they see me playing and you know they I think they had Robbie Fowler before me who was at Cardiff as well, um, and they just to be perfectly honest. I moved there and it was kind of like a financial thing, really. Um, and I probably shouldn't have done it because, I mean, in the end, I, I ended up not enjoying the standard of football there. It just wasn't good enough. So, you know, I went to the chairman and I basically just said, listen, you need to, you know, tear my contract up. You don't have to pay me. You just need to let me go. Um, and, and that's how I ended up coming to Japan. Um, and that was a, a great move for me because I really enjoyed it. Um, being in Japan, you know, I've been here for a while now, but you know, I've I've enjoyed the lifestyle. I've enjoyed the football. There's some great players here. Um, there's some great players that came from Europe here. Um, yeah, and I'm still enjoying it to this day. Obviously, playing for QPR as a forward. Um, when you're a forward at a, at a team that's fighting for relegation, it's difficult to really show how good you are, and at the time, you know, QPR was going through a tra- transitional stage. Um, again, we had like uh, four, I think four managers in that two years, which is not ideal. It's difficult to play your best football when you don't have stability. Um, and, I, and I wasn't able to to play as well as I would have liked. Um, but again, you know, it was, it was nice um, playing in the Premier League with QPR. There were some really good games. I, you know, there was games where I scored against uh, Man City and Tottenham and teams like that. Um, so I think you have to take positives from every situation. And, you know, I, I, there was some positive I did take from that. How do you find the change in culture, culture and laugh when, when, when you moved? How did you <clears throat> find the change in culture and language when you moved to Asia? Um, there is a big culture difference, um, but I think when you move country, and I, obviously I got, I was a bit more, I had a bit more knowledge of moving from a different country because obviously I moved to Italy when I was younger. But I think when you move to any other country, you really have to embrace their culture. You know, you can't go there and you know be who you want to be the way you you are in 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 England in London. Um, you've got to go there and adapt to their conditions and you know that's what I've done you know I've come here I've adapted to the culture here um, and to be honest it's, it's, it's been really in, enjoyable for me there is a lot of things that are different from um, being in England um, but there are some amazing things here like the, you know there's hardly no crime um, it's a very clean place the people are very polite um, it's a very peaceful place um and obviously there's 
there's some differences on the football pitch. Um, you know, I think the main difference would be, you know, in, in England, you know, football's kind of, you know, life or death, whereas here it's still deemed as a game. You know, if you lose a game, it's like, you know, no problem. There's a game next week. You know, we'll try and win that one kind of thing. There's no real pressure, whereas in Europe, there's, there's always pressure on every game. Um, but it's a fantastic country. You know, the league is good. There's some really good Japanese players here, as well as, you know, some very, very good European players that have come, um, notably like Iniesta and um, Podolski and Sampa and Vermaelen. Um Torres came. So th- there's some good players here and there, there were some good players that were here before and have now left. Um, so. I think when you leave any country, there's different, there's, there's a lot of changes, but I think you have to be willing to embrace it. And that's what I've done here. What is the standard of football like out there? It's really good. Um, you know, the players are very technical, um, very intelligent. Um, I think you're seeing that now a lot more players from Japan are moving to Europe, whether it be Germany, the Belgian League, um, Switzerland. Holland, you know, even even England. Um, so I think I think the game is progressing. Remember, you know, the league, the league. I think the league's only been around since like the nineteen nineties. So it's it's still a very young league, um, but it's it's growing. Um, the stadiums are great. Um, the organization is great, and you know, it's good. It's good to to be a part of it. What are your plans for when you finish playing football? Um, I'm going to play a lot more golf. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm going to obviously enjoy my family time. Um, you know, I've got I've got other interests. I've got my 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 hands in you know some different businesses away from football. Um, but you know, I love the game and. You know, I might start doing a bit of uh, television work and, you know, things like that. Um, but, yeah, I just want to enjoy my retirement, um, enjoy um, family life. Um, but I'm not doing that this year. <laughs> so is the, are you, gonna, are you staying out there, Jay, or are you going to return to England or Italy or not sure yet? Yeah, no, no, I'm probably, I'm, I'm going to retire out here. Um, I'm not going to come back and play and play in England. And I mean, unless Cardiff wanted me to go and play there for like, a year or something like that, then I'll be up for that. Um, but apart from that, um, you know, I'm happy with my career. Um, I, I want to play like, um, pro- I probably want to play one more year and then, and then, you know, hang up my, hang up my boots. I would just like to say a big thank you again to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really appreciate it. Please continue to leave reviews and pass our podcast on to your friends and family. Thank you so much, Jay, for taking the time to chat with us today. We really en- chat to you too. We really mm-hmm. enjoyed speaking with you, and it means so much to us as a school to be able to have the opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so much. Speak. Um, so nice speaking to you guys too. Um, I've really enjoyed my time, um, and and thank you for contacting me. So, lads, Jay's just gone. How do you feel that podcast went? I was really honoured to talk to Jay and I, I like um, 
how he's changed like for different football teams over the years and um that he still has uh, memories of playing for Cardiff really yes after what was your favorite bit of that um, podcast? my favorite is podcast is I like I like he's talking about um playing for Arsenal and then um moved to Cardiff he's like playing to Cardiff and then um it's very good but Trying very hard today, and then, um, <laughs> and then um, you like Arsenal, don't you? Nah, I'm for Man City because my brother he sports Arsenal. Well, your brother sports yeah. Arsenal, so your brother will be happy to respond yeah. to him then. Yeah, and he's now he's in Japan. That's, that was really interesting. Yeah. I think to hear his thoughts on Japanese football and he's um, moved to um, Thailand, isn't it? Yeah, he went to Thailand. Yeah, yeah. No, Japan. Japan actually. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening to the TWS Sports Podcast. We really, really appreciate it. As Tom said earlier, please keep your reviews coming. Join us on social media. So just search TWS Sports Podcast and you'll be able to find us. So thank you so much for tuning in to another episode and we'll see you next week. Take care. Take care. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. The TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network.